Welcome to the Neurons Nutrition Podcast, episode number 200 and something. Um, I, this is the second time I've just said that because I just fluffed up a part and uh, I thought oh, I can't have it that bad, I'm going to start again. So apologies, Johnny, for you having to hear it twice. I was going to say, I was thinking today driving that our podcast must not be far off five years old. Because if you think, think about it, we do an episode a week and we've pretty much consistently done an episode a week, give or take the odd week. Uh, at the start we did a few, I think in the first four or five weeks we did a couple of weeks, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So roughly, let's just go on average, one a week. So that so four years would be a couple of hundred, or well, two hundred eight. Let's say, fifty-two times four. And that's is right, there, mm-hmm. isn't it? So if you think we're at two hundred and twenty something, that's nearly four and a half years. How many downloads have we had? I I don't know. Um, millions, but I don't know. If, no, it's not. We haven't had millions, but uh, Maybe we've, well, we definitely had. We must have six figures easily. I would think. I was saying to a client, Kerry, shout out Kerry, who got a mention last week, because I was telling, actually I was telling her about the podcast that she got mentioned last week, so now got a double mention. So she's now famous. Um, I was telling her, we generally get a couple of thousand episodes-ish uh, a download. So I think, what's that? Two and two, yeah, yeah. Not bad at all. A little show, is it, actually? Think about it like that. I wonder how many people have listened, have listened to the majority. <sighs> Probably all of them, because I don't, I don't reckon we've got a wide enough reach to have that diverse or different amount of people, which probably we've got a nice little dedicated, committed click, I think. Joe, you know I never, I've never listened to any podcast back. Hours. Never. never. Um, well, you're lucky. I, I get the job of listening to some back, just trying to find some social content. Because I social don't like proof. listening to myself. And um, no, do you know what I find though? And the listeners, pro tip for you, because you might find it far more interesting if you do this too. Uh, but I find if I listen to myself back normally, I hate it. I hear it and I think, because so we obviously we all have a different tone of our voice in our own heads, don't we? Because obviously, I guess the acoustics in our brain and the, or our ears, I should say, um, from the way we hear inside our heads. Uh, this is really not scientific at all, is it? The way I'm explaining this, but you know what I mean. Basically, the way we hear ourselves is very different than the acoustics of what someone else hears. So when you then hear it back on audio recording, you're like, "That's not me. That is not how I sound." Surely. Um, but I find the way to fix that is to listen to it faster. So like when I, cause I listen to all my podcasts generally in either one and a half or two times speed, depending on how detailed the information is. Um, when I then listen to our own back for social proof stuff. So if I have to listen to bits of it back to try and find some clips to cut out and all that sort of stuff, uh, I find it far more palatable hearing myself if I'm speaking faster than I normally do. Don't know where that is. That is strange, but whatever helps. Whatever helps, exactly. Because, mm. um, yeah. But no, I, don't, I don't... Maybe some people do, actually. I don't know. So if you do, maybe we get in contact and let us know. But I don't think many people like to hear themselves back on... Or even see themselves back on video, do they? Um, I imagine some people do. They look quite vain, don't they? Is it vanity? Possibly. Possibly. Could be pride. Could be... Mm. Yeah, it could be pride. Could, they could be proud of achievements, proud of what they've done. Possibly, yeah. Possibly, the possibly um i don't even know how we got onto that oh yeah we were talking about you said you never listened to anything back um yeah how's uh how's the how's the judo going because obviously we talk a lot about judo well jujitsu mostly <laughs> uh, <clears throat> pretty good went tuesday 
to Tuesday because of uh, work the other days, unfortunately. And because the boys are competing, and the field boys are competing, they step the sessions up quite a lot. So you, you do have generally then about a half hour of sparring in either situational sparring or full sparring. So it becomes very difficult. You mean so that's ag- why you mean aggressive and above your competency level? Is that what you mean? Uh, yeah, because I would say ninety-five percent of them here have been doing it substantially longer than me. Yeah, so I'm out of my. The only good thing about fighting people who are heavier and better is when you're against someone who's on your level. It's a lot easier, which is why it's always good mm-hmm. to do hard things be around people who are better in some aspect, which mm. is probably a good thing for life. Yeah, really. I, I, I like a nice analogy. So if you watch cricketers, or certainly I haven't watched cricket or if for any, at any level of detail for a long while actually now, but I used to do this at school, put it this way, and whether it's an old school, uh, unevidence-based thing now, I might just now sound really stupid by saying that, but I'm going to say it anyway. The analogy of you used to swing a couple of cricket bats when you're warming up to bat, and then when you had one cricket bat, it felt so much lighter than if you hadn't so you kind of warming up with two bats to feel an extra weight and then obviously the next thing you then pick up is a lot lighter so oh, this feels like nice and light i feel more mobile and i can i can bat better it's a bit like that when i used to do on the gym when i was younger if you go over a, <clears throat> a one rep max you think we want to max it just put like 20 30 on top and hold the weight Oh, hold it. I was about to say, if you if you did 20%, 30% on top and then did a one rep max, like that wasn't your one rep max then, was it? <laughs> do, you hold, do you hold the weights when you when you rack 20, 30% less? It feels a lot like that. Mm. Psychologically, it's better. Yeah, I would say that's a fair thing to do because sometimes, especially if it is like a true, like you are going for a real proper one max, one, one rep max type of attempt where even that unracking is like, oh, this feels fucking daunting and heavy. So actually, that can help with that aspect, at least the start of kind of preparing yourself, can't it? Mm. Oh, yeah, 100%. So when, regarding the jiu-jitsu, is when you spar on people who are bigger and a lot better, it gets you used to having those people on top of you and jamming, jamming different body parts in your neck, in your throat, trying to rip your arm off, rip your knee off, it's when, you, it's when you add against people who are not 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 like that a better skill, but of the same skill as you. It just seems really where you are more much more in control mm. of what's going on, and you can submissions don't go on as well. They can't get in a position as easily, so it's easier just to to ride out an attack and then carry on. on have, have you um have you ever seen or do you ever watch combat jiu-jitsu? What's the difference? Uh, there are some striking involved. <laughs> okay. So I don't think it's, you can have full-on punches. I, I don't actually know the rules. I've just seen clips. But I've seen, like, you can slap and stuff like that. So you see people, like, full-on slapping and while they're in, like... I think, I think you can only slap when the one... if You can't slap someone if they're grounded. But obviously, if the other person... I, I don't know what the rules are being grounded. I think um, if they've got, like, a... a, a I, I suppose the MMA rules would be um, if they've got... Uh, what was it? Three palms as in two palms of foot and a palm of the hand on the ground then that's considered a grand as uh, not a grand opponent um no that's considered oh i don't know i can't remember i'm, I'm confusing myself now basically whatever the rules are for grounded but anyway um but 
regardless, going off on a bit of a tangent here, watching this this kind of combat jiu-jitsu is hilarious because you're kind of watching them just like trying to get in certain positions, then just slapping each other around the face or like slapping each other into the ribs and stuff. And you're like, fucking hell, I didn't know they could do that. And then suddenly I realised, oh shit, this is not jiu-jitsu, this is combat jiu-jitsu, it's a whole different thing. But it's quite funny watching it because just the element of slapping brings in kind of a different aspect to it completely. Do not think it's all more, I do not, to me, it just seems pointless. If you're in the common jiu-jitsu and do MMA and proper strike, because you, you're, you're not going to slap an MMA and you're not going to slap in a jiu-jitsu competition, so it's like I don't see the, really see the point in it. Uh, well, I think there's an element of depends what you're doing it. If you're doing it for comp- competition, I guess yeah, I kind of half agree. Um, without thinking about it in more detail, um, so it is a bit of a shit opinion of it. But I guess if you think about jiu-jitsu itself and what's more relevant to pay perhaps self-defense, combat jiu-jitsu surely must be more relevant because obviously slapping would be it would be something someone might do in a uh, real-life situation if they're trying to attack you. So. More likely to punch, they. Yeah, but you know, it's just dealing with a strike of sorts. I guess the slapping bit just stops someone getting the head not, not you know, knocked unconscious or whatever. Maybe, but maybe if you don't want to do that, I do MMA. <clears throat> yeah. Well, yeah, probably, but I guess it just or it just adds a different dynamic to jiu-jitsu. People that like jiu-jitsu and want to have a different dynamic, perhaps I don't know, but yeah. Thank you. It's probably no. It's not. There's no better self-defense than MMA, really, is it? Uh, what well, isn't Krav, Krav Maga supposed to be like the the daddy of self-defense? But is it not really? I don't, I don't know enough about it to be honest. What it is, but um, I, I, that always reminds me of like geeky Americans. But I don't know if that's. Yeah, probably, it's, yeah I think it's a legit combat sport, and it was like, well, if it's to do with like killing people, it's like, well, that just doesn't work, does it? Generally, people don't go to kill people in a fight, do they? Well, so depends, it doesn't it's depends really. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, do you, have we ever seen a Krav Maga in a top level MMA? No. no. No, no. I've never heard it said anyway, put it this way. But um, that's not to say it wouldn't be good in MMA. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was actually, I was having this conversation with a guy at Jiu-Jitsu this week, actually, is about MMA and kind of like all the best, or most of the best MMA fighters anyway, all have a really solid wrestling background. It seems like wrestling is like the foundation, the underpinning of, you know, kind of most fights um and i and obviously like you know there's an element of wrestling jiu-jitsu judo element of wrestling in you know, like mma all this sort of stuff and i think wrestling probably is like a base if you, you get a good wrestler you've got your you've got a really solid foundation to do quite well in other things i guess there's obviously some mma people like yeah israel adesanya's who are like more like or absolutely striking based and karate based and you know that sort of stuff where they obviously are fucking brilliant and just so good strikers but quite often if you get and they, they're exceptions so they're probably a really bad example but you get a striker against a wrestler quite often the wrestlers the strikers just just get taken down and then just can't do anything because they're just on the ground and just get absolutely smothered or beaten up like by a ground and pound by a wrestler so wrestling does seem to be very, very effective for kind of MMA type stuff. You obviously got to have some of the other disciplines to, or some least decent level of skills in that discipline. Um, but that's also why it's called mixed martial arts. If you've got jiu-jitsu, wrestling, and Muay Thai or kickboxers, I mean, pretty rounded names, you could all have. Yeah. They, all, they all have to basically now have a really high level of competence in all of them because you can't really get away unless you are just like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm sure, I don't know what belt he is, but he's probably a black belt or close anyway in jiu-jitsu Israel. Um, I don't really know how good a wrestler in terms of how you describe him is wrestling competency, but it's probably all right. Um, he does all right, basically striking. So um, 
I don't think it was up until recently. I don't think he even really got taken down much. So his wrestling's probably at least his wrestling defense is probably pretty good. And that's as a striker, what you need decent defense because that way, if so, if a wrestler can't take you down, then you're probably going to kick his head off or you know just just pit a pat, strike him out until he's absolutely fucked. So that's true. That is true. Um, I want to say shout out to the uh, boxing last night. What I don't know if you've seen it, but Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, what a fight! Fantastic. I'm not really a boxing fan, really. I I just find it boring in comparison to MMA, because um, MMA is the ultimate of like interesting, exciting sports, in my opinion. Boxing usually a bit dull. That was a really good fucking fight, though. So fair play. And to be honest, I felt a bit sorry for Deontay Wilder because the guy could take a fucking punch. To be fair, as can Fury clearly, because um, Deontay Wilder obviously has an absolute hammer of a fist. Um, but yeah, I felt a bit sorry for him really because obviously all the shit leading up to it and all the trash talk from Fury, it does make you think, oh, come on, mate, let's just leave it out now. It's boring. Um, and seeing him lose and then obviously get all the trash talk again. Although, I guess, I mean, Fury did say uh, Fury did say that he was um, trying to say, like, good sport and Dante Wilder's a bit like, I don't respect you, so I don't want to shake your hand, which you can kind of understand after all the shit leading up to it. Being called, like, called a dosser 96 times and saying he's, you know, whatever. He's got dished up as well, doesn't he? Yeah, but um, I don't know. Most of it, I'm sure, has got to be for the cameras and just trying to big up the fight and get it all going so the spectators love it. I think with Winder, if all you've got is a big right hand, the chances are you're not going to beat the good boxer. Well, he, he's still a good, decent boxer. I mean, what's he, a bronze, Olymp- gold, yeah, he's, a bronze he's a Olympic? But obviously he's had like 46 out of 49 fight knockouts or something. Hasn't he ridiculous? Some, some pretty stupid because he has just got absolute hammers. Just got yeah. power, um, but fair, fair play to him. Obviously, like he Tyson Fury is clearly the better boxer in terms of actual boxing skill. He can take a fucking punch. That obviously is always going to set you up pretty well. If you, if you can take a punch and you're obviously highly skilled, it'll just where he's well, he kind of just wore um, Wilder down so that when he did get like punched, the punches were making a big impact in the end. And obviously, hence he got knocked out. So it was a very good fight to go see. It was especially but it went back and forth as well because obviously when. Obviously, Wilder got knocked down first. And then in the fourth, whatever it was, Tyson went down twice, didn't he? And then obviously it come back the other way in like the eighth and the tenth, or whatever it was. And even in the last, oh yeah, sorry, the eighth and then the tenth, the Wilder then had a flurry, didn't he? Although Fury didn't go down, he obviously got hurt. Um, and obviously and then that happened in the eleventh, where he get knocked out. Like, oh, this is a fucking brilliant heavyweight fight. I'm actually very conscious that I got a ribbon from um, long-standing friend of the show, Amy Ramshed. Um, for saying I always fast forward your podcast for the first 20 minutes because I'm sick of hearing you two talk about jiu-jitsu so I'm now conscious we're now talking about boxing as well so she's going to be so pissed in fact she probably wouldn't know she probably skipped it so well she should do jiu-jitsu do jiu-jitsu she should she's into mm-hmm. some wanky crossfit shit so not a big fan of crossfit myself and, no, uh... me neither but I would like to do Olympic lifting properly I'd like to be able to do it but I'm just I don't I don't see myself ever having the time and dedication or any basically I'm, I'm not naturally uh, able enough to do Olympic lifting to to pick it up fast enough for me to can be committed to it if that makes sense like if I, if that's one of the things I picked up quite quickly I'd probably do it but because I know I'm going to put a load of effort and time and work into it it's like nah you're right <laughs> if I didn't have to work and I was just a millionaire maybe hmm. but again if I was, if I was loaded as a millionaire I didn't have to work I would do judo boxing jiu-jitsu I'd do all the combat sports I think that says a lot about your mentality. Quite aggressive. Probably, I'd probably be injured pretty badly within six months. Yeah. Well, I got injured on my first ever session, if you remember. My finger's still fucked. So, um, yeah, 
not trying to put people's asses in. Well, the problem is with the finger is uh, I obviously stubbed it somehow, which I think was on the floor on the matting. <clears throat> playing a silly game where you're in like I think I explained to you, but I don't know if I explained the podcast. Uh, it's kind of like, oh, listen, you know, you're all newbies. Let's have a get to know you session. So you're kind of on all fours in like a press up position, and the idea is you have to take the arm away from your position, like, and just you know to score a point. So you, you're trying to like reach and grab someone else's arm, pull them away, their arm under them, so they go face plant into the mats. And um, at some point, obviously, I must have went to put my hand on the ground in a flurry, and I think stubbed my little finger on the mat. And ever since then, it's basically been feel like it's broken. Um, I don't think it has broken, but like it just won't seem to heal because obviously every time I go to jiu-jitsu, I'm now using it to grip or pull or do something and it just won't heal because I keep using it. But All right. Keep it together. I have, I have used jiu-jitsu tape to um, tape up the knuckle uh, rather than... I haven't taped it together because obviously I think it's too restrictive to still use it. But as in like tape two fingers together then obviously limits that use of that part of the hand but I have tried to tape the knuckle up to uh, give it a bit more stability rather than it just being completely loose and fucked but as it, it helps at the session doesn't help really stop it getting broken though but there we go um, that's the jiu-jitsu update from me that no one wanted but uh, we had a fucking brilliant question today though so um, talking of uh, regular long-term listeners so not Amy Ramshed um, Lauren Carruthers Shout out to Lauren, uh, gave us the most amazing, well, not the most amazing question, because that's obviously probably bigging it up too much, but I did think it was a brilliant question. I said to her, this is a brilliant question. Um, so I'm going to read it out, Johnny, and I'm going to then ask for <clears> an initial <throat> view, and we're going to talk through this premise. Got it? Good? Yeah. So she said, random idea for a podcast. I see lots of PTs and nutritionists on social media heavily endorsing the need for a training program, but are against meal plans. Do you, f- so obviously, and I guess you would say, yes, that is probably the, evidence-based approach you would find for most people they would say oh no meal plans are shit for your clients they don't do that no um they don't learn anything or blah 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 um yeah would obviously be the first person to say yes you should definitely have a rigid structured training program yeah 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 so she said do you find it interesting that structured training programs are highly recommended but meal plans are considered too rigid and not the right way to educate your client i do think that is actually a really brilliant question because generally you would say that is the thought or premise of most evidence-based individuals? I would agree. That is a very interesting question. It is very interesting. Something which <clears throat> i probably never even thought of before. Hmm. So expand never. your thoughts. Let, let's hear your thoughts and let me then chip in with mine and we'll see where this debate goes. If it's even a debate. Um, I, th- I think it comes... Meal plans are perceived as negative because of the shit you've seen over the few years of like people play for a meal plan or a service to lose weight or gain weight or whatever and they just handed a piece of paper or one A4 uh, word document just a meal plan with no structure no reasoning and is rigid there's no other options so it's very very rigid Right, and <clears throat> that's why people perceive meal plans as negative. However, if you give someone an example meal plan with a structure based on their lifestyle and education points week to week, and an explanation of why you'd possibly set up a day like that, and it's given someone an example 
of how they can structure a day based on the things that you're working on with a client. But with training plans, but it's just like someone's, if you just buy a, a, a training plan online, that's just Monday, Wednesday, Friday, full body for whatever, three full body sessions, they're just exercises, um, three by 10 bench press, three by 10 squat, whatever, and, it, and nothing else. It's just as bad, isn't it, really? Even though you, 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 you could get results with both as a newbie, but neither would have any any structure behind them. But if you said, well, well, they'd have structure because obviously that's the whole point, isn't it? As in, again, they'd have structure because that's the whole point, isn't it? As in, they'd have the one structure that they're given. As in, well, yeah, they'd have the one structure, but there's nothing. There's no foundations behind it. As there's no like well, principles. Yeah, why three by ten, and where do you go from there? Well, I mean, it, like that, that, sorry, mate, I'll just cut you off there. It's a really obvious question why 3 by 10 because obviously that's the hypertrophy rep range, duh. Apparently it's always so 3 by 10. It is, yeah. If you do You're 3 right. by 11 or 3 by 9, it's not hypertrophy anymore. It's like it's endurance high. or strength, I don't know. But Even the hypertrophy range is pretty pretty wide, isn't it? But, no, it's uh, 3 by 10, that's it. Oh, okay. 3 by 10, that's it. That's, that's the only thing. But, <clears throat> and... But again, if you give someone <clears throat> a training plan that has the same thing, right? It's you start Monday, Wednesday, Friday, full body. But there's a structure, you know, weeks one to four is three by ten. Weeks four to eight is four by ten. Weeks eight to twelve is five by ten. D-Lord, blah, blah, blah. Reasons why you might have you've done it as a three full body sessions and there's a structure behind the training plan, just like a, a nutrition plan or a, a, what do you call it, or a meal plan. But I think there's a lot, there's a lot different giving some a, a meal plan as such because <clears throat> the psychology behind dieting and eating I mean, I know some people who do get addicted to exercise, but I would say it's very, it's easier to mess somebody up psychologically with a meal plan and than it is to mess them up with just a training routine. Because no people are like, they just don't like their exercise, they just don't do it, they just do something else. So I think it's, <clears throat> I, get a, I get the question, but I, I think... Most well, everyone will. Everyone should have some form of training plan. That doesn't mean it's got to be rigid. Just I, like a meal plan doesn't have to be rigid. Yeah, I was going to say. I think based on oh, my head is really close to this microphone. Does it come across as really close to this microphone? Like my nose is literally touching my pop filter. No, does that sound yeah. good? Does it sound any different? It sounds just as normal. Ah, sorry. I thought I was going to treat the listeners to a really like dulcet, quiet, sexual. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. 
<laughs> I don't know. Well, I was going to say, sorry, before I went off that really random tangent there. Um, I think I get what you're trying to say in that. The difference, I think, if, I guess it, if people are saying, like, why do we accept the idea of a, you know, in air quotes, rigid training plan a bit more than we'd do a rigid meal plan? Um, the idea is obviously everyone eats, so you can't avoid eating. So kind of the rigidity of a meal plan obviously doesn't, it's got more opportunity to make it or not work for someone or more opportunity to cause a problem with someone or, whatever, you know, define whatever you think a negative outcome is in that scenario. With training, you don't have to train. It's not a requirement. You you know, you won't die if you don't train. So I guess it's obviously just a bit easier to give out a training plan and not worry about any negative consequences. Does that make sense? Because obviously people can't avoid eating. I know they can, you could say, well, they could just not eat the meal plan. They could eat something different. But I guess it's a bit more complicated than that, especially when you start talking about some of the negatives of, of meal plans. Um, shall, shall I... So have you have you got anything else to add for now or shall I kick in with my view and then we can go back and forth a bit on stuff or, or well, I, was gonna, I was just going to mention so when you said uh, I can't remember what you actually said but when it's like with a meal plan if someone sticks to a meal plan for 12 weeks right they could they could, they could undo that in less than four if they just gone uh, uh, I, it's finished whatever I'm done I go back to normal you can get rid of it all in four weeks. If you're if you're a newbie, right, whichever way. If you're a newbie, you just started training and you do twelve weeks of three by ten with no structure, you just trained consistently. Then let's just say it's you didn't stop training, you just trained, but you didn't train with any structure, or you just did what you want. You pro if you what let's say you gain five pound of muscle, I very much don't lose anything. So you haven't lost anything. It's no the undoing of that training plan of twelve weeks. The undoing of the positive effects probably take quite a few months of not training at all. Whereas twelve weeks of dieting would be undone in less than four, probably, if you went from a, uh, a rigid eating plan to nothing to normal, which inevitably affects people psychologically whereas the training i would imagine doesn't affect them at all because they they are not going to see a difference if they've if they lost a pound of muscle i've been going from a structured plan to not are they going to see that no not at all so visually if you could see for pound of muscle you probably wouldn't anyway it make any difference mm. so it doesn't affect them on psychology well whether, whether dieting and gaining back 10 pounds in a couple of weeks does yeah yeah um no fair points um what i was going to say is i think it's a it's a really it's a brilliant question and there is definitely this the that premise is is a thing as in that idea definitely exists across the industry um and especially the evidence-based industry because they're the ones that would be looking down on meal plans obviously you know you get the whole coaches or whoever saying like like if you know they'll they'll mock meal plans or they'll kind of use analogies or make examples of cl uh, clients asking for meal plans and then saying how ridiculous it is and oh I'd never do that it's obviously only shit coaches do that um, and I think it's a bit unfair and I don't necessarily agree in uh, and I think the reason there's two things in the two angles in this I think one is I think the the question itself is a really great question but i think the re the answer that we would give back to say actually like what we would probably expect really is that someone's training plan 
shouldn't be rigid in the way the question infers, if that makes sense. Because I think the question in the way it's meant, meant or wording is to say like, you know, she sees, or Lauren said, she sees PT's nutritionists on social media heavily endorsing the need for a training program, but against meal plans. That And obviously saying that, do you find it interesting that structured training programs are highly recommended? So she's used the word structured training programs, which I think you could probably easily replace that word with rigid training programs because the question almost infers that we're saying rigid training programs okay, but rigid meal plans are not. And I don't think, actually think that's the case because I don't think that we would say rigid training programs are okay, would we? we would probably say that our training should almost be as flexible as nutrition. And I think the real answer there and what we would probably want to say is actually what we find would be the best solution for individuals to have some consistency and some progression, but their training should still be fluid and flexible in the same way we say with their nutrition. Like nutrition can include meal plans, but still be... um, or still and the meal plans could then breed consistency but they can also still be flexible if that makes sense mm. so i guess obviously that's kind of slightly a slightly different lens on that question then changes the outcome quite a lot um that's what i would say i mean like meal plans itself so on that kind of topic where as i say a lot of people in the industry will very much look down upon people that give out meal plans or would just point blank refuse and say that they're a waste they don't educate people blah 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 which obviously are valid points if you give someone a 12-week meal plan they want to go out and socialize which we know will most likely for a lot of people improve adherence if they can do things like socializing like have different foods and and kind of increase variety and stuff like that um if you've got a meal plan that makes it incredibly difficult to do or like to the point of probably impossible because the likelihood is if you do say go out for a meal with friends how are you going to find your chicken broccoli and rice at a restaurant or if you could even do that because they will, you know, you find a restaurant that does serve chicken broccoli rice. Will you hate your life so much you think this is fucking shit? Why am I doing this? Yes, you probably will. So basically, means means meal plans. You're a bit fucked, and you can't you can't do any socialising. You're pretty stuck in kind of where and how you eat. And yes, for me, they don't really educate someone to then be able to manage their own nutrition and improve adherence because they've got the autonomy of doing things themselves. Because you, you're not learning principles, and that's the whole point. So yeah, I get all that. However, I would say meal plans might be appropriate for some people still because actually some people just want that and that is what they like they will almost want the thought and taken taken out of it and say like just tell me what i need to eat and i'm actually happy to do that and i'm happy to say i'm not going to go out to eat i'm happy blah 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 because i want this result and i want to just be able to follow through and guarantee it in the same way as like a fighter trying to lose weight and i know if yes i brought it back to fine sorry but they might have meal plans set for them by a nutritionist or a dietitian because they need to hit a certain weight and therefore they need to eat specific stuff doing a specific thing for a specific outcome brilliant okay so i would say it's a, a, like meal plans themselves are a bit more like a tool that can be used it doesn't make them bad in the same way as like i don't know a hammer uh if you've, you've probably i'm sure you've probably heard this analogy before and i can't remember where it came from now but i've heard it spout but a few times by different people but um a hammer can be like a brilliant tool to build a house you can also hit yourself in the dick with it so, you know, is it the tool or is it the way you're using it? That is very true. That is true. Because you could eat yourself with a dick of it and that'd probably fucking hurt. Whereas, obviously, like I say, hammering nails into timber, pretty fucking useful. Yeah. In a dick with a hammer, tall hammer, not very good. Especially if you hit it with the claw side. Ooh. Although it might have fit in between, let's be honest. Yeah, probably tasty, wouldn't it? <laughs> What oh, my dick fitting fit between a, the claw of a claw hammer. 
But I think as well, I think <clears throat> the fitness industry in general, we all know it's full of shit. But <clears throat> you, it's, it's just they assume if if some other meal plan, we disregarding any other situation, they they believe oh that's gonna that's gonna mess people up. And it's not as you can't say that about everyone. You can't say that action is have the same outcome for every person who does it. It's just fucking wrong. And I think when people think of meal plans, they just automatically assume most going to give someone um, issues with food. But it's, it's not really as if. You, an Olympic athlete, right? Who, whose legacy is on the line of getting a gold medal somewhere? You can give them anything you want, and they will fucking do it. Class a meal plan that, that gives them no decision fatigue. They got other things to worry about. Then, so in my eyes, isn't it the wrong way? Mm. You've also got to remember that some, you know, a, a survey done by Olympians, they'd they'd give away five years of life to win a fucking gold medal. So. Like anything they think is going to give them a leg up or get an advantage of something, they'll fucking do it no matter what the costs are. So, exactly. And with training, you can have <clears throat> rigid structure and um, that's what I'm looking for. But do, do you mean that? As in, do you think training should have a rigid structure or just have what a structure? Is that what you, you mean? Could have a rigid structure. Oh. With it being, um, that's what I'm looking for. Without being restrictive, it was odd. But you could go right. The average, say, the average person right, is, is probably not going to track what they're doing. Wrong or right, whatever, right? If you said to them, "Here's five exercises." in a session, pick one, monitor that across 10 weeks. So there's your rigid structure. You monitor that particular thing, and then, well, the rest of it, do do you want? Do you feel like? They probably should make progress, yeah, because they if they are <clears throat> getting stronger at that particular thing, then potentially getting stronger in other areas as well. So they get in the, the structure in the middle that they need to progress, but they got autonomy to do what they like per session. Because, I mean, if you looked at the average draw across a 20-year lifespan, not someone who wants to compete in bodybuilding, just someone who wants to look good naked, if they had a rigid structure, well, either, like you've got to progress every... If you have a mess, it's likely you've got to have... You go do this week one, two, three, four, five, D blah, 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 and do all that. And then you went to someone, just monitor a couple of things over time if they're getting stronger, tidy. What is the difference going to be over 20 years? You're not going to know, but is it really giving you much that you're going to care about as an average person? I'm not talking about Olympians or bodybuilders and nothing like that. The average person. So if that average person says, I'm not going to track five exercises every set, every rep. I'm not doing it because I'll suck the enjoyment of it for me, but I'll do one or two now and again. Is it really going to make much difference across a 20-year career? Career. In uh, training? Who knows? But if the latter keeps someone on track to keep going to the gym because they've got a bit of 
autonomy and they've got a bit of enjoyment out of it. And they've got a bit of structure in there, which ensures their progress, then then obviously that's the best option, even though maybe it's not the most optimal. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I do what you mean. Um yeah, I, I suppose for me it's like, yeah, it's it's a step and to be honest, it's like anything. Like, is it optimal? Is it the best thing someone can do? No, probably not. I would still say like if you're tracking one thing, why don't you track everything that you're doing? Um, but I do agree on your, or get your point. Um, I think it's like anything really. And it, 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 it kind of does align with the point I would have made around the meal plan stuff, but also you know, the same does apply with training that. Like this thing is not binary. It's not they're good or bad. And it's not like training has to be a certain thing or not a certain thing. Like you can track one thing, you can track three lifts. You can do like a lot of people, you might track your main lifts because they're the things that matter to you and the accessory stuff you don't give a shit about. Like you, a lot of people don't bother track, like they might do their, track their squat, dead, um, bench, overhead, whatever. But absolutely will never ever track a bicep curl or a fucking tricep push down or whatever because they're just not interested in accessory stuff and like having a real structured training app because if not, they just wouldn't do it. I know plenty of people that just think, I just do that bit for fun. And if I tracked it, I'd lose interest and I wouldn't bother doing it because the emphasis on progression in those movements will just mean like I just can't be bothered to do them. I won't. Instead, I just want to just have a bit of fun and just do what I want to do and then crack on. And that's obviously also fine. But I think that's why I wouldn't use the word rigid with training programs because actually I think our training programs, certainly what I I kind of do in my own training, what for, for any program that I do for clients, they are pretty flexible in that, easy example like if someone goes to a gym and you program the hat squat and they can't do a hat squat like i don't care if they if as long as they find another similar movement pattern another type of squat crack on like there might be a session where they can't do the hat squat because someone's on it and there's a massive fucking cue for it so you don't want to be so rigid in that you'd expect them then to you know wait around spend an extra hour and a half in the gym be late for work blah 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 because they couldn't do a hat squat because someone was on it you'd say no just go do a goblet squat or a wall standing hack squat or a leg press or even a fucking barbell squat or whatever you know you just a front squat you end up doing something even if it's not exactly an, an identical movement um or even a one that exactly replaces it i'll be honest i'm happy when people have the autonomy to go make a decision and do something different because the point you made around it being gen pop not a big fucking deal over the long term will account to nothing i just like pfft whatever that's why i don't think our training program should really be rigid because the results wouldn't be any or hardly any different in the session we should actually find it or be more flexible and make it work for us and our lifestyles in the same way as we would on nutrition yeah you know yourself how many people have you seen <clears throat> probably if you've been this well you don't go to gym do you but maybe not the right person to ask i've i've i tell you what, i've seen many people i have been in a gym mate yeah no who never track anything ever you just go in, you see them do chest one day, and you look at them. They're not doing the same thing every week. And they grow like, and, and they grow. So, well, you're not trying anything. So you don't know what you've done previously. You don't know what you've lifted last week. Maybe mm. you know, maybe they're thinking, I know my bench one rep max is whatever. And that's, they think, all right, I'll beat that over time. Is it optimal? Probably not. I'd probably smash shoulders in doing bench press one and maxes all the time. But they've got some element of progress that they can remember. And the rest, they just wing it. And you, you see it all the time. And a lot of them grow. A lot of them grow. It's like, well... I think I think that's like anything in terms of 
I guess there's a um, law of uh, what's the word? Um, oh, I can't think of that. Oh my god, Johnny, what's going on with me? There is a um, a cap on the returns you'll get over time on whatever you're doing. So there's diminishing returns. I think is what I'm trying to say. In that that'll work for a lot of people for a long period, or certainly yeah. you know it might even keep a lot of people just happy. They're they're, they're happy kind of just maintaining or not making too much progression there is an element where we spoke about before about like why we do think logbooks are useful and helpful for people is because there will become a point where kind of your natural like training hard will become more daunting that you just won't ever reach the levels of training hard that you need to we've said that haven't we where like you know, I, I even now sometimes I'll, I'll look at some numbers i think i can i haven't got to do that have i and um you know they're not they, they wouldn't even be scary numbers for a lot of people but obviously it's all relative so for me i'm like fucking hell have i done it before and i wouldn't and i'd say nah there's no way i'm lifting that heavy and if i look back at it's only because if i look back at my training you know plan for a few weeks earlier perhaps where the numbers were i knew what i hit then i was like oh bloody hell i have got to do that because obviously i had it then before if i just went to what felt like training hard i'd have given up earlier so i wouldn't have actually reached the levels of training that or difficulty that i would have had to given not having a logbook if that makes sense so i think yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll work at some point, but there'll be kind of a, a diminishing return to a point where it probably wouldn't work as well for any much longer. If you just kind of went in, and didn't track anything. So, but that's still, I still don't think that that means it has to be rigid. Or you know, I think the idea is that yes, I think why we why a why a structured training program works is because it just brings consistency for me. That's why I think it just you know you get a structured training program. Yes, the details of the structure do matter, and there are evidence based. Um, principles to programming which obviously should apply to program but generally getting in the gym and training regularly will do a big chunk of what you need it you know make a big big difference to the chunk of the progression that you end up getting it's just the fact that you're turning up day in day out and i think having a structured training program just achieves that for the most part and i think it's the same with nutrition that having a meal plan just will help a lot of people just get into consistent habits and bring that consistency and over time they'll then see a decent chunk foundation of results now obviously you have to then dial it in at points to get the extra bits as we've always said before around kind of the 80 20 rules Pareto theory things we've talked about even you know our own branding and our own values and ethos about our coaching in terms of no nonsense nutrition focusing on those things that matter will get you most of the way that is all really kind of relevant um and I think another thing that people don't think about around like meal plans is they don't have to be a, and they probably shouldn't be for most parts, unless, you know, I used that example of a tool earlier, unless they are for a specific scenario, they shouldn't really be a, like a set menu of this is what you eat at when, and you know, you just follow that plan. Meal plans should probably actually be a bit, a bit more like a structure and a following a base of principles, but you use them flexibly to suit you and your lifestyle. So instead, you know, it, it could just be the simple act of, set in time to plan your meals so you know what you're eating that isn't a meal plan but it is meal planning it's sitting down and thinking right this week i'm probably going to have this this and this for these meals or roughly this this and this and that doesn't mean you then can't be flexible and change them on the days or you, you decide not to eat that and you go out to eat blah 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 but that's still meal planning isn't it yeah and obviously okay. that brings the same outcome of consistency perhaps it brings a lot of other benefits like you know have planning the feel like doing meal prepping say will save you time save you money probably take a lot of decision fatigue out like we've spoke about the benefits of those meal planning so it gets looked down upon about oh you shouldn't be prepping meals oh you're one of those sunday wankers i that make chicken and rice every uh, for five meals like yeah they are a, ch- uh, a prep wanker but actually if it really helps them and they stick to the goal they don't have any issues with food relationships they don't have any issues with m- nutrient deficiencies blah 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 which you know most people in the western world is probably never gonna have to worry about 
What's the problem? Why do we look down upon him? Because that's what the industry is like, isn't it? That's going to be hard, perhaps on Sunday, Tidy. Mm. I do. Comment on him, no, absolutely. And I do have one rebuttal to myself. So playing devil's advocate with myself in that the problem always comes here, and I think this is why we do have the, the, the these kind of negative thoughts about these type of things is because if you take it into the context of a product being sold and therefore people's expectations of what they're getting, that's where the problem lies. If basically someone's offering you coaching and they send you a meal plan, that's not coaching. And you shouldn't be paying 200 quid a month for someone to send you a meal plan. That's very true. In the same way as that someone shouldn't send you a training structured training program uh, which you've just paid 200 quid for and it's just a fucking cookie cut template. Again, and that's that's where the problem I think does come in. In that these things are tools and aren't a problem, in my opinion. Um, and also, they're not just a thing; they're not a binary thing. In that, as either a good meal plan or not a good meal plan. You know, meal plan in the examples I just gave a moment ago could mean a whole different things. In the same way, a structured training program can mean a whole different things. And it's a you know, it's across a whole spectrum of kind of on this ladder of how much of a meal plan it is and how much is more things like meal prepping, blah blah blah, as an example. But the problem is, is like when you think you're paying for a specific thing and you're getting what is effectively a meal plan or a you know a, a, a cookie cutter training plan but you think it's going to be a bespoke thing that is a problem yeah and I, I get that I think that's where all the negative things come from isn't it oh yeah 100% and don't expect to get a, a good quality service for 20 quid a month either like if you pay 20 quid and you get a meal plan I mean 20 quid is you might you might not you might not even get a good service for 200 quid a month that's true I had a I had a um conversation with a client of mine this week sarah around uh some coaching she had for some quite well-known people in the industry um previously and she was saying that she was surprised at how much they charged for how little they got um and i am gonna i suppose i don't like to big up ourselves but i am gonna big up ourselves where she said this is the coaching that she's now getting from me is a whole different thing and not in a like oh my god it's amazing the best in the world like it's kind of more like you know it's just felt more like coaching and less more than less about like here's a fucking meal plan that's the whole point even the people that are charging like 250 quid a month here's some macros here's some macros go hit them brilliant here's my download my fitness pal track it all hit those macros off you go check once a week no an email once a week not really even a check in it's an email once a week come on once a week yeah Hmm. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And if people want to, if you want to, if you want to charge two hundred quid a month, which is a substantial amount of money, then you better make sure your service is good quality. Well, these the thing is these these very popular individuals clearly were still people were still buying it because you know they were successful in coaching. Um, but so got a good market, isn't it? If you're into like the bodybuilding realm, especially. So if you're a bodybuilding prep coach, um, it's for the most part, it's not really coaching. Um, I use that term very generically. If you're triggered by it, it probably doesn't apply to you because um, you probably yeah, it means you're probably aware to have, you're, you've got some awareness of the situation, therefore you probably have a better offering than, than someone that hasn't that got an awareness of the situation that just turned out macros. But I think for, for prep coaches, especially the successful ones, they just get all people that are like robots come to them and therefore there is no coaching. It's just here's some numbers, go and hit it. And they're robots and they go do it. So it's not really coaching, is it? And it's almost like some of them will, like some bodybuilders, probably be able to prep themselves. But they, I think when you're an astronaut, you, you, you probably don't make the, the, 
I, the ideal decisions at the right times. Oh, I, I, I could have a refeed now. Yeah. I don't need one type was, of thing. So they could be spending 200 quid a month just to go, right, I accept that you're just going to send me macros and a training plan, but I, I want that so I don't have to think about it. I'm just going to go, right, da, 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 bit of support, a bit of um, accountability to that person. And it's like, well, if you've got the money to do that, then crack on. I probably, I probably, if I had, I knew I'm really tight, but you know, if I was low of money, I'd probably do the same thing. Just you pay, just pay someone just to just make me accountable to you. Hmm. I, I just going to say that um, I guess those individuals are just want someone to, a bit like what we do for some clients sometimes anyway, but you know, they want someone to basically stop them burning the house down when things get fucking hairy. Because that's basically what half the time you end up doing, isn't it? And I guess that's why it's a, even a robot that can go away and follow a stuff when things get really like tough and like, like huge levels of diet fatigue. It's just having someone to kind of have a look over and be objective on something where you can't be objective, where you're just emotions and all the different thoughts and feelings come in where you would usually have a really objective evidence-based approach to something. If it was a client, you can't do it for yourself. So it's impossible. So I do get that element of it. Um but yeah, it's just some coach. There's, there's just some charlatans out there, aren't there? That just either don't do a very good job or don't. Not even don't do a very good job. I think a lot of charlatans they just don't. They see clients as very much like that. They see client as a as another number there. Where they're just trying to give a service to. And I'll be honest, I think the kind of compassionate type of coaching that we offer, I don't see any of my clients like a number that I'm giving a service to. I see it's like genuine people that I'm trying to connect with and have a relationship with. And I know that seems like the most obvious thing because, well, duh, of course you do. That's what you should do in, in any type of kind of service like you're doing. But I actually don't think people do that that often, actually. Like I would say, like, mo- I made a joke to um, to Kerry who I spoke about earlier. I made a joke to her this week where I spent, spent most of our time in our check-ins chatting about stuff completely unrelated to anything with regarding her coaching. Just making jokes about, I can't remember what now, but just random stuff. And you're like, so, so people on the outside even look at that and thinking, this is not coaching, but actually you're building a rapport and you're kind of really kind of getting people to, to kind of buy into the relationship so that when you do give them some information and support and stuff, they get you and they trust you. Yeah. And obviously, and I, I guess I know, like, I don't know, I'm, I feel like I'm getting a bit on my high horse here actually, so I'm going to stop because I'm kind of getting into it. And I find when you get to know people better, I find it gets a bit easier to possibly challenge them when they need it because you know you you think well you don't know them you know i've never met them but you you know them mm. and and then challenge you as well yeah because it becomes a bit easier doesn't it mm. like but, i've had the clients i generally have at least i think i think everyone has been at least six months and the last couple have been 10 and one that's coming up to probably nine now. And you do get to know a lot about them. Like you say, you do talk about other things. But when you get to tell, de- they, they tell you stuff that they may not have told you before when you go, right, I'm, they've got, you think, oh, you see like a scale of weight go up and they're a bit like, oh, I'm not sure what's going to be. You look grassy, what's happened? Oh, well, actually, I've had a parent going to Austin because of da, 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 da. Like, well, all right then. Maybe they won't have told you that before. So you're not gonna. They're gonna they're, maybe they would have just said, oh, "I don't know." To your question, or well, maybe what's what's the issue type of thing, and you can sort of like coach them around that scenario. It's one of those things where you can't say, "Don't stress about it." 
mm. and try and help them manage the diet and training stress because that's what you can help them control. You can't help them control obviously what goes on in their life. You know? So yeah, building rapport makes a big difference. It does. Um, right, I don't know if you've got anything else to add, but otherwise I think I'll wrap up there. I don't have anything else to add, no. no it's a great question. Um, and I think actually, the, the just, to, just to round up slightly, I suppose, is that I don't actually see a problem with meal plans and I don't see a problem with rigid training programs. And I also don't feel like there's a problem with having really flexible training programs or having even very little structure to a training program if that's what you want as long as you understand the usage and principles of them and therefore the outcomes you're going to get from them i think that's the point and as i say you know just make sure you use that use your tool for the right thing that's the point what's your boil down to the individual yeah. as always and stop banging as always. and stop banging your dick with a hammer that is right so I want people to say this doesn't work this doesn't work they say well it's going to work for somebody and if that individual warrants that approach then mm-hmm. it works for them doesn't it yep um, I think that's it then so hope everyone enjoyed that please do the usuals rate, review, subscribe, like blah 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 share um, sharing your screenshots if you find they're interesting you know get some people listening on your social medias get it out in your network and all those types of malarkey and uh, we will see you next week yeah share your screenshots now your camera shots okay bye <laughs> thank you for listening to the NNN podcast if you enjoyed the show please help us by rating on your podcast provider sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people see you next week